big vision would be, I think, first of all, not to get too carried away, it would be to keep on building the impact of large organizations, uh, corporate corporations such as Logitech, that we start to challenge each other to, to, towards these goals. I think that's where it starts. Um, then if we can make it a procurement strand standard, but there's the trillions of dollars across the globe, if we can influence that, then, then you really can see huge progress. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back championship leadership podcast and i'm excited we got david uh latin here with us uh residing currently out of cork ireland so across the pond as we like to say appreciate you being here david thank you thank you nate yeah great to be here really really pleased to spend time with you today yeah absolutely so first question i like to ask is the name of the podcast championship leadership and how what comes to mind for you? What do you think of what does championship leadership mean to you when you hear that? Uh, a couple of thoughts come to mind, Nate, straight away. I think firstly, in simple terms, it's about what is right for the performance of the team. Uh, to do that with the individuals in the team, you need them to understand what is the vision uh, going forward and, and what role they play in terms of delivering on that vision. Um, and then that leads into their individual performance. Um, that in these sort of simple terms is what I'd think of in terms of championship leadership. But, but I mean, you could also say that's nearly management. I think way more important than that, most important of all for sort of true leadership is to be thinking, where do we go next? What's over the horizon? What's over that next hill? What's going to make us better in the future? I think my first sort of answer can make a team perform well to, for a certain amount of time, but you've got to always be thinking about what's coming next to, to really keep that level up and and to 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 be striving to improve over a long period of time i, th I think that and, and that's the leadership versus management i guess too yeah absolutely and you know i know we're going to get into it but a big part of your vision right now is uh gender equality through companies and corporations across the world as well so um anything come to mind for that when it comes to championship leadership yeah, well, I mean, that's exactly it, I think, really, that, that my role uh, as a head of procurement is to, is to make sure that the suppliers we work with are giving us the right performance uh, at the right price, and, and they're really helping us do everything that we need to be doing. And I think, to use my first answer, traditional procurement is exactly that. It's negotiating prices, ensuring performance is happening, managing risk. That's all really important. But it has a limited impact on society, you could argue. And it also, that's very much kind of procurement 1.0 um, in the sort of typical corporate world. When you look at the society nowadays, there's a real awakening around corporations have such a massive impact towards the biggest challenges that society face, environmental impact, the, the, the search for equality to achieve our SDG goals, et cetera. Um, there is a massive impact that corporations can have, in fact, a necessity that corporations move on that. And if you're if you're in a role such as mine, when when you are a client dealing with suppliers and corporations spend billions of dollars, you have a huge mandate, and and you could you could argue a responsibility to do something there, really. And and that's and that wouldn't have been thought of as a procurement procurement role pretty recently, but it's it's certainly. It's really important for companies and their performance, but it's also really important for society too, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, maybe dig in a little bit more into uh, who you are and, and, and what it is that you're up to and, and the path that you're on right now uh, with, with the role that you have and, and the mission that you're on. 
Sure. Yeah. So I head up procurement at Logitech. Uh, Logitech, a lot of people might be familiar with, consumer electronics company, a Swiss originally, uh, but, but a big global presence. And our core values touch on what I just said, really. Equality and environment are our core value, by which we mean we're a $6 billion company, thousands of employees across the globe. We're going to have an impact on this world, but we want to make damn sure that that impact is a positive one um, towards equality and towards the environment. And, and like I said, when you deal uh, with your suppliers and procurement, you can have a really big impact. I think traditional logic is there. We have 6,000 employees. We can do as best as we can by our 6,000 employees. And by doing that, we can make sure that we are, that we are living in an equal and inclusive environment. We can drive diversity in our workforce. That's all absolutely true, of course. Um, and we do that. But there's a limit to that impact, and that limit is we're 6,000 people. We, we can have a really strong impact and look to make the world and their employment as good as possible for those 6,000 people. But our, our impact can be limited by that. It stands to reason, it's pretty obvious, that our external connections, our suppliers, cover millions of people across, across tens and tens of large companies. Those large companies accrue trillions of dollars of revenue each year. The potential impact there is way bigger than what we can do with our own 6,000 people internally. The, the sort of you know, trillion dollar question is of course, it's a hell of a lot harder to influence those companies than it is your own. I think yeah. it, internal uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, like I say, is, is where companies go first because you can really drive that yourself. It's your, it's your own company, et cetera. Um, but we need all companies to move on this. And I think that was, that was really a thought process we had at Logitech, which was how can we make sure that all corporations move towards these causes? Because there's only so much impact we can have ourselves. We need all corporations to move on this. Those corporations employ millions of people across the globe, trillions and trillions of dollars of revenue across the globe. We're not going to reach some of our really challenging SDG goals by 2030 without these large companies making a move. 2030 is only what seven and a bit years away. We're yeah. a long and we're a long way from hitting those. We need big companies to make big changes. Um, how can we influence those companies? And, and that's really when, when we looked at procurement, we, we have billions of dollars of supplier spend. Other companies and many other companies our size have billions of dollars of supplier spend. You can really use that procurement lever to, to go to those large companies as a collective. I think as a collective is the key thing, and that's what we're looking to build here. I can go to some of our suppliers and say, equality is really important to us. Uh, it's a really important value for us. We want our suppliers to share that value, reflect that value. We want you to strive to be gender equal. I can say that to my suppliers and that has some impact. But if Nate was another head of procurement and there's another 15, 25 David and Nates, if we all start asking these large companies, we're going to hold you accountable to these standards. We want you to strive to these standards. And, and we accept that they're today they're aspirational. We don't want them to be, but they are aspirational standards right now to work towards those 2030 goals for equality. If 25, 50, 100 companies that spend millions of dollars with, with these suppliers, you can bet they're gonna start listening to us because we have that leverage of, of, uh, of being a client. And I think that is what we're looking to do. And, and that then is the lever to influence. Like I said earlier, that, that enormous potential impact is in the entire corporate sector. How do we make sure that all companies move on it? Well, we use our procurement leverage to do that, that, that we've used for years for 
negotiations on price and performance, et cetera, we can invest that in working towards these, these social goals as well. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. What's uh, so how did, how does that come about? How does that conversation happen? How did, uh, um, how did, how do you make that shift to, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, like you said, you're a technology company. So uh, now you're kind of becoming also in the forefront of uh, equality in the same conversation. Where does that come from? Yeah, no, great, great question, Nate. And I I think a couple of things, there's kind of an individual answer for me, but but also for that to be empowered, there has to be a company and a leadership answer, of course, I think. And, and it's been codified in our values. That really, first of all, came from Bracken Durrell, our CEO, who's hugely personally passionate about these causes. Um, and, and to really to really empower that, it was codified in our values around equality and environment. And, and that's an acceptance, really, that, that large companies need to move on this. Um, but for me to be empowered to do everything I said, I think it has to come from leadership. I've had quite a number of conversations um, this summer since we launched our coalition around, around isn't it fantastic that, that you're doing this and, and other companies that are looking to join with us and, and that's all amazing. Um, and I'm personally passionate about it, but you, it needs to come from the top, the, the, the CEO level yeah. have to accept that companies have a huge impact towards this, um, a responsibility, in fact, to do this. They, they need to get behind it. The CEO needs to do it too. So, so I think that empowered me to do it. And, and then on a personal level, um, I think it's important really, and I don't feel like I work a single day since, since I've been doing this really, because it's, um, it's uh, when you're doing something that you're passionate about and you can see that it's gonna make a difference, then you're not really working a day ever. <laughs> and, yeah. and I think that that's certainly a, a, an impact that's happened to me personally. Um, I could easily I could easily be thinking, how could I make most impact towards these causes? Um, and maybe the corporate sector may not be the obvious answer to that, but if you're empowered to do it by your leadership, you can have a huge impact uh, to, towards these causes in the corporate sector. We, we need other companies and other leaders to, to pick up that baton and do it with us because it doesn't really matter that we're doing it. It only matters if other companies do it with us because that's when we're trying to make it a typical standard that, that this happens. David at one large company wants to work with Nate at another large company. Today, there's a whole host of things we do around data and compliance, security, pricing, of course, comes into it. What doesn't happen as a standard is a simple question. Is your company living up to the UN Women Empowerment Principles? Are you gender fair? It's a huge moment of influence for me as a client to talk with you to you as a supplier to do that. Yeah. Um, and it's such a simple, it's such a simple action that can have a really powerful, powerful impact. So I think it's um, ultimately be it a company or an individual, you just have to care. Do, do you care about these causes? These are SDG goals that we're all, we're all trying to reach by 2030. If you and your company care about them, there is undoubtedly some way you could impact them. In some companies, it might be more around environment, and, and we do that too. Um, in other companies, it might be more about financial inclusion and, and other topics. Um, we do a lot around environment, um, but also gender is a very important topic in, in the technology industry. That's, that's what we can influence. But I think it first of all starts with the simple question, do you care? And, and I would yeah. hope that most large organizations and most leaders of those large organizations do care now 
um, and, and can have a huge impact. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Who are some of the championship leaders, coaches, mentors, people in your life that have impacted you and, and more so, you know, what are some of those characteristics that really have stood out to you uh, from those leaders that uh, maybe you've taken to help mold who you are in your life as a leader? Yeah, I think one comes to mind, a really early influence in my career um, really pushed me and led me to ask this question of so what? And what I mean by that is um, whatever role you might have, like previously I was in finance before procurement. In finance, if you look at what you do, it's all about providing control for an organization, insight about what's happened, maybe analysis in terms of who's spending what and all those sort of functions. That's what you do. But I mean, the key question about so what is, yeah, but so what? <laughs> what, what benefit can that give to the company? Yeah. And, and that's a real pivot if you think like that, you really think about constantly what's the value and impact of what you do, rather than just being a sort of collection of, of, um, of responsibilities and a job description. I mean, the, you know, a job description, one of the most destructive documents, it, it, is, it is a list of what you do, but really it's, well, so what? What, what am I providing to, to a business? Yeah. And a really early influence in my career was very strong on that. And of course, the answer in finance is that you're doing things like reducing risk, um, you're assisting good decision making, and and you're and, and you are providing that oversight to leadership about what is going on in the organisation. I mean, of course, there's a valuable so what to that. Um, in procurement, more in my role nowadays, it's about you know we're developing relationships with suppliers. Okay, that's what we do, but well, so what? It's um, it's we we look to make savings. Of course, I mean that is that is the traditional argument with procurement that we make savings. Um, but like I've sort of elaborated on already there's a huge impact and influence point there. We can have a tremendous impact towards, towards society, which, which, which wouldn't be a traditional procurement angle, but that's a real massive sort of so what to, uh, to, to procurement. So I think to round back to that, those early, early influences that I had, it's, um, it takes some bravery, certainly when you're early in your career, but I'd recommend everyone that whatever they're doing at whatever level in organization, always be asking so what and, and what yeah. value are you delivering and and if you go if you go to your management and leadership with it then hope they should be receptive to it because i think we are not just a collection of automatons doing doing what a job description says there should be a so what to what everyone is doing and 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 it's a, it's quite a liberating way to look at it sometimes so so i was lucky that that someone gave me that kind of pearl of wisdom quite early on yeah absolutely what um I know you've touched on it already. So uh, because championship leadership, I think, you know, vision is obviously absolutely an important critical aspect. I think to championship leaders, I, I think oftentimes they have a vision that many others can't see. Right. So, um, or, you know, people think you're crazy for the vision that you have and yet they have the courage to take action on it. And clearly you guys have, uh, and what you're doing in, inside of your role, um, you know, it's a rather large vision. You talked about it, 2030 in a way seems like a long ways away, but also you realize that that's not that far away. It'll, you know, it's, but time seems to go faster and faster as we get older. So what, uh, what really is the big vision for you and the impact that you're looking to make? Yeah, I think the big vision ultimately is to inspire the corporate sector to deliver on equality 
like you said, 2030 feels like a long way away. But I'll give you another stat, Nate, that really is a long way away. There was a recent World Economic Forum report on gender equality. And the latest stat is that society is due to achieve gender equality in over 100 years. Uh, Now, that that truly is a long time away. Yeah. Um, You know, I have three young boys. They're not likely to live long enough to see a gender equal world at current progress. In fact, even my unborn grandchildren may not see a gender equal world. And and it's not just on gender. I think if you look on other angles of of equality, we've got a long way to go. And I think my big vision would be, I think, first of all, not to get too carried away, it would be to keep on building the impact of large organisations, corporate corporations such as Logitech, that we start to challenge each other towards these goals. I think that's where it starts. then if we can make it a procurement strand standard that there's the trillions of dollars across the globe, if we can influence that, then, then you really can see huge progress. Um, but ultimately, as a society, the UN put these goals in place. We talk a lot about these goals and, and there's a lot of talk around environmental topics, ESG, SDGs. You know, they're all essentially ambitious goals. We need these aspirational targets to try and hit them. Um, because in 2022, we're not living in an equal world. I, I had a head start in life just because I happened to be born a certain race, ethnicity, and gender. Um, I think our generation, Nate, I guess we're similar, similar age. Our generation has the opportunity and the responsibility perhaps to try and be the last one that, that, that really lives through that uh, because it's been, you know, it's been too long <laughs> and, yeah. and we've had many moments before. So I think that's the real big, big vision is is we yeah. can be the generation to, to do that. Yeah, you bet. I love it. Thank you. And thanks for sharing that. What's, um, what might be uh, what I call it like a critical moment in your life where, you know, we've all, we've all had them, but, and, and you chose the way that you did that has you where you are today, but had you chose differently being in a, in a very well would be in a different place in your life. Cause I think there's a lot of power f- when people can hear how others have chosen those moments when they're in them themselves right now. Right. We always kind of want to, we would like to know, you know, the outcome before we make the decision, right. But that's just not life. And so the only other best case scenario I can think to that is, is hearing how others have learned from others and how they've chosen those moments to help you through that decision yourself. So is there, is there a moment that comes to mind for you you could share? There is, it, it, it's not so much a specific moment, but, but I'll certainly, I'll certainly it's, it's over a longer period of time, but I'll, but I'll give you the story and, hope, and hopefully it, it, the message is clear, Nate. And I think it starts with, to put it politely and mildly, I was very unspectacular at school and college. Um, in fact, a, a quote that my mum gave at, at my wedding uh, a decade or so ago was, whenever the school rang, we always knew it would be about David because he was always in trouble. So I had a really unspectacular time at school and college. Um, I didn't fit in well with, with structured academia. I got bored quickly. I was always looking for something new. And, and this, is a, this is a message that I think it's tough for a lot of kids when, when they're like that because academia is very much of a square hole. And it's through, no, it's through no fault of the establishment and the teachers, but I think they look for square pegs that can go in those square holes. And I certainly wasn't proving to be one of those pigs. Um, But the funny thing is, um, I left school not really knowing what career I wanted. I almost fell into my sort of corporate procurement role by accident. 
But I think the key thing is, and, and the message that I tell myself when I was younger and I was one of those kids, and I'm sure there are many that are those kids now, is exactly the same personality traits that meant I often struggled for motivation in formal education, got in trouble in formal education. They're exactly the same personality traits that have set me free in my career. Now, I think, don't for a second take it that I'm saying that, you know, academia doesn't matter. It absolutely does. My career was long and winding. And part of that was because I was hugely mediocre at school. But I think the important message is those same traits that I had around, well, why does it need to be this way? Or can't we do it that way? Or is there a better way to do it? Or why do we have to learn this when this is happening in the world? What impact can I have? All those sort of questions that probably frustrated (laughs) my teachers to an extreme extent are really important questions to ask yourself. And, And I think that sort of curiosity is really what's important. And a bit like that so what point I made earlier on, what can really work in a, corp- in a corporate environment really sometimes jars with what works in academia. So not so much of a moment, but looking back at what I found challenging and the only message I'd have to people that are in a similar position to me is, you know, it's, it, life is easier if you do really well at school and work really hard at your exams. I didn't very often, but work really hard at your exams. But if you are someone that just thinks differently to that established way of doing things and you have to do it X, Y, Z, can't it, why can't it be ABC? There's, 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 a, there's a place for everyone. And, and in my case, having a lot of that curiosity and that, well, hey, why does it have to be like that? That, that sort of thinking allowed me to flourish in my corporate career, whereas, whereas it challenged me in my, in, in, my, in my schooling, I think. So not so much from a, of a moment, but more of a lesson for myself looking back and and, and I would want to say that to any other kids that are similar to me in their schooling today. Yeah, I, I love that, that answer. And, and uh, I think there's a lot to that. I don't know. In a way, it's like, especially as a parent, um, you know, sometimes you could have frustrations. You know, I can think of like, sometimes my, my son, our youngest, has been a little bit of a challenge, right? And, but, I, but I think there's plenty of examples of, of people out there that maybe didn't necessarily fall right in line or didn't fit the mold or are sometimes some of the uh, most successful out because they're not willing to just be like everybody else. And exactly. uh, so some of those things that gave them a little uh, trouble in the early years are, are the exact same things that really helped them in life uh, to do some great things. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, history is full of those sort of, yeah. of those characters, isn't it, Nate? And I think as a parent myself, the last message I want my own kids to have is David, dad flunked at school and yet he's still been okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah, is yeah. not the message I want <laughs> right, to give anyone. Totally. The, the message I want to give anyone, everyone is that, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a niche for everyone. I, I think is, yeah. the, is, the, is the message I'm giving yeah. and schooling certainly wasn't it for me, but, but, what made me not fit into that niche really helped me fit into my, into my corporate yeah. role. So there's a niche for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. Well, as we start to wrap this up, you know, if there's one, one or two things that you could give to the listeners today that, you know, if they were to apply into their life would help move their life forward um, today. Like if they went out and implemented right away, what, what might that be like guiding principles or, you know, things that you live by? Yeah, I think, probably touched on quite a few of them already Nate but I think that that whole idea about so what is is something that I always hold really important around 
like I say, the job description is, is, quite, is a very restrictive document. Don't think of anything as just a job description. Think of it as a, well, why do I do this or so what? Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. One, and, and another thing I've learned from, from advocating for this coalition for gender fair procurement is I'm normally the one that's listening to salespeople. Um, in, 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 since Lord, since co-founding the coalition, I've been doing a lot of advocacy, which is, you know, essentially is selling an idea uh, an idea that we believe in to, to make a positive impact in the world. Um, it's been really enlightening for me that I deal with sales salespeople all day long, and it's easy for sort of a cynical procurement people to get very used to dealing with salespeople in a certain way. Having spent the summer advocating for the coalition, I've really begun to empathise with sales is hard. <laughs> it, it, yeah. takes, it takes a long time and a lot of conversations, and, and to go from kind of alignment to action is a way longer journey than, than you'd ever hope it would be. So I think I've actually learned a lot from that in my day job. So I think I think to, to sort of circle that in a more general way, always ask, always ask the so what question, what, why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, and stay curious because I think um, without staying curious and wanting to make an impact, they wouldn't have done the simple connection between we have billions of dollars of spend we can have we can impact other large organizations that came from a point of curiosity curiosity mm -hmm. really yeah. and and i think like i say flipping my normal role that i've become a sort of a seller of an idea an advocator of an idea i've learned a lot from my day job so i think stay curious and and always ask that so what question and um, I, I think if you do that um it will always keep you laser focused not so much on your job description but on why am i doing what i'm doing what impact yeah. can this have and, and hopefully um, in any walk of life, who you do that with will, 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 uh, will, will really empower you to do that. And, and I think that's, that's, that's what jumps me out of bed in the morning is, is that yeah. I'm, I'm looking to do, it's not that I'm doing X, Y, Z, it's that I'm looking to achieve ABC. I think that's, if you can do that, that's what makes me jump out of bed in the morning. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. I appreciate it. And I uh, appreciate the time uh, with you here today. What, is there a way that, listeners can you know are you in social media follow you or, or uh uh keep up with what you guys are up to and what you're up to absolutely yeah two simple ones i guess on uh, anyone anyone can uh, can connect with me on linkedin uh, that's an easy one and also around our coalition for gender fair procurement looking to leverage those billions of dollars of corporate spend uh there's a landing page for that genderfairprocurement.com um genderfairprocurement.com is a landing okay. page go and have a look on there and you can hit connect with the team there as well um uh, they're, they're, they're the two easiest ways to get in touch with us nate gender fair is an f-a-i-r exactly gender as g-e-n-d-e-r fair f-a-f-a-i-r procurement.com yeah genderfairprocurement.com i just want to make sure i get that right so we can get that uh linked up in the notes and and uh, so that people can easily get to that. So thanks again so much for your time. And uh, I know it's probably a little bit, uh, what time is it there? What you guys are six hours ahead. Was that? Like, it's um, not too bad. It's nearly six o'clock. It's yeah. um, since, since we started talking, it's become very Irish. It's now hammering down with rain where, whereas it was. Sunny oh, okay. It's, it's, not too, <laughs> it's not too late. Good deal. Well, well, thank you again and uh, have a great day. No, thanks, Nate. A real pleasure to be with you today.